Now, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it is once again a great privilege and honor to be with you all here and uh, to be back with you in this pulpit again. And um, to continue kind of talking about this theme that comes out of Lent. And uh, one of the powerful things that we see in Lent and the liturgical year, for that matter, is that it reminds us of a profound truth. It reminds us that we don't invite Jesus into our lives, but rather God has graciously invited us into his life. God has graciously brought us into his story. And so today my uh, sermon is going to revolve around a second theme that we find in uh, the season of Lent. And uh, it's revolving around this theme of what happens when God pulls us into his story. And what happens is is salvation. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. And I begin with a very um, well-known story in the New Testament. And if you will, uh, listen or follow along with Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Well, this is an incredibly profound moment, because in the history of the world, there have actually only been two people to walk on water our Lord Jesus Christ, and St. Peter. And even though Peter almost drowns in this incident, I'm sure if he was like me when the boat got to the other side of the sea, he probably looked at the other 11 and said, and he'd be completely wet and disheveled, and he probably looked at them all and said, hey, how many steps did you guys take? Two? No, no, you didn't take any. I walked on water. I took two steps. Two steps on liquid, guys. Now, while water walking is significant because it defies the law of physics, our gospel reading today is significant because it marks a powerful transition in the gospel of Matthew, a section that is affectionately known by many biblical scholars as simply the opposition. And this opposition begins first with nature and the band outside. (laughs) So... (laughs) 
But so with opposition, it begins with opposition, and the first opposition is with nature. Okay, no worries. It begins with nature. Now Matthew tells us that Jesus has just finished feeding 5,000 people, and he has dismissed the crowds, and has sent his disciples ahead of him in a boat so that he can pray. And it is there that the disciples find themselves in a real pickle at sea, our scripture tells us. They find themselves in the midst of a very serious storm. And, uh, <laughs> and sound. And, so, uh, and Matthew wants you to understand that nature is hostile. Matthew wants you to understand that the storm that the disciples encounter here is nature in all of its hostility. So much so that in the original Greek, the wind, the storm, is actually being personified in Matthew's Gospel as an agent to flout the disciples' faith. You see, in those days, there wasn't this huge disconnect between nature and the supernatural. It's really interesting. Uh, when I first arrived here, I was uh, speaking with um, my friend David Tanner, and we were talking about the storms that recently came through Alabama. And I asked him, what did the clouds look like? And he described them as these terrifying things. They're dark and black. Some of them even take on a toxic green color. And in the pagan world, they would have seen and they would have worshipped the spirits behind these elements. Whatever it is, the harsh wind has terrified the twelve in the boat. It has shook their faith to the very core. And the truth is that who here in this church hasn't had a harsh storm come against them. A storm of life so severe that the waves of the incident have beaten you to a pulp and you felt like the wind was against you. Maybe for you it was a relationship that you thought was going to last forever. It was perfect. And it is or has fallen apart and you've wondered in the midst of that brokenness, what happened here? God, I thought you were in this. Where are you, Lord? And maybe for you, the front is a perfect facade. But behind the closed doors, you have a sick child. And you wonder, what is going on? Where are you, God? Maybe for you, you're here in this beautiful cathedral because the truth is, is that you hate your job. It's a total grind. And you know after lunch, you've got to go back. Maybe you or someone you know has been devastated by one of the recent storms that blew through Alabama. And you know there's people out there who have lost everything. And they're sitting there and they're saying, God, where are you? Whatever it is, this is my first point. All of us have had a storm hit our life. Something like that wind that has shaken our faith and caused us to say, Lord, where are you? One of the most popular false gods worshipped by the pagans in the area, especially by the Philistines, was the god Yam. And he was the god of the sea, the god of chaos. Yam was connected to the underworld and to the dead. And Yam wielded a lot of authority and power. And he wielded a lot of authority and power because the people gave it to him. The connection being that oftentimes when the storms of life come against us, 
We give our problems in these situations power. So much power that in actuality, they actually begin to consume us. They begin to control us. They cause us to forget that there is a sovereign Lord out there, and it leads us to ask the question, Lord, where are you? It causes us to to forget that there is a sovereign Lord out there, and that His still presence is in the midst of the chaos of our lives. And in the midst of that commotion, we forget, and we cannot hear Him say, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. The Greek word there, take heart, it is I. The Greek word there is ego ami. I am here. Which would have taken every faithful Jew to the top of Mount Sinai, where God said to Moses, I am. The truth is, and we know this because of the cross, that I am has entered into the chaos of life and has not escaped it, but has died and conquered it. Do not be afraid. In the chaos of our lives, we miss that this is not a suggestion. This is not a suggestion, but a divine command that creates out of nothing. You see, this is what God does. It's not about us mustering it up, but God speaks the word and it creates faith within us to cling on to His promises and believe Him no matter what we see around us. Because just like the disciples, our natural instinct is not to be courageous. Yet the Sovereign Lord was in the disciples' midst in that horrendous storm and created within them the faith to not be afraid. And He is in the midst of your storms. And He has spoken a word of promise to you. And that promise has created courage in your life as well. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. This is my second point. Whether you know it or not, and even whether you've experienced it or not, Jesus, by His resurrection, has triumphed over all of the awful storms that we have thought had defined us. Jesus, by His resurrection, has triumphed over all of the false gods in our lives that we have given power to. And by His Word and through His sacraments, we can hear Him still today say, Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. It is no coincidence at all that throughout the book of Revelation, the throne of God is always found upon a glossy sea. Because truly, as the resurrected Son of God, Jesus is the only one who has the power to subdue and reign over the chaos, reign over the seas of life for you. And it is because of this fact that Jesus reigns over the chaos. I mean, don't let this just pass you by. He is walking on water. It is because of this fact that Jesus reigns over the chaos. Peter asks him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on on the water. So Jesus says, like he says to all of us, Come. And guess what? Two steps. Two steps. Peter joins the Lord in being the only other human in history to walk on water. 
Don't let that just blow over you also because of our Western familiarity. They are walking on water. However, what happens? Peter sees the wind and he begins to doubt and drown. Now, so often it's at this point that this profound story gets turned into a horrible moralistic bludgeon which leaves people in the storms of their life and it's pastorally cruel. You'll hear people say, well, Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and that's why he started to sink. Too bad. And you better not take your eyes off of Jesus either or you'll sink too. You'll drown too. God, that is just not helpful. Especially when I've already drowned. (laughs) You know, I'm at the bottom of the sea, thanks. Let me illustrate the good news in our gospel by talking about a rite of passage that we've all experienced in our lives. Learning to ride a bicycle. Now, my grandfather taught me how to ride a bike. And it all started with him by my side with one hand on the handlebars and the other hand on the seat. And he began to guide me around the streets while I would pedal. Soon, he just had his hand on the back of the seat, reassuring me the whole time, you're doing great, you're doing great, you're doing great. And before I knew it, I was going down the street by myself, by myself, by myself. And I looked back and there he was, what seemed to me miles away, And all of a sudden, I started to lose my balance and bang, crashed. I hit the street. And this was before the days we actually cared about children, you know, before the days of helmets and elbow pads and any of that. So there I am in the street, completely scraped up, and I'm crying. And well, just as soon as I crashed, there he was. And to this day, I've never ridden a bike again. (laughs) Just kidding. But... I bet you, I bet you I would have never rode a bike again had he showed up and said, why did you get scared? Why did you take your eyes off of me, silly kid? No, no, no. That is not the God we worship. Instead, my grandfather, he picked me up and lovingly carried me home. He was there. But it's the latter view that most people think of when they think of God. And no wonder they can't hear Him in the midst of the storms of their lives. Christian hope is never found in our ability to hold it together and keep our attention on Jesus. While that is important, the fact is is that we're all like St. Peter when it comes to God. One minute we're being pummeled by the storms of life, another minute we're walking on water, and the next minute we're drowning or we drown screaming, Jesus, save me. But the profundity of this passage is the grace found within it. While Peter may have lost his focus on Jesus, Jesus never lost his focus on Peter. And while you may lose your focus on Jesus. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, He has not lost, nor can He lose His focus on you. Therefore, and this is my third point, when Peter is drowning and he calls out, Lord, save me, our Gospel reading tells us, and it highlights this word, immediately, immediately Jesus took hold of him 
Jesus saved Peter. Hence, Peter could preach so confidently on Pentecost, quoting the prophet Joel. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And through the waters of baptism, as we confess our faith of Christ crucified, our Lord immediately takes hold of all of us as well. And he never, ever lets go. Amen. And the peace of God that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest upon you and remain with you all, now and always.